0: Father, we just thank you for this evening, you're a good God, your mercy endures forever. We just want to thank you for this evening time that you blessed us with, to be found in your presence this evening, Lord, to be, to have the privilege of uh, meditating upon your word. I pray, Father, that Lord, even as we spend this few moments in your presence, we believe you're here. That Lord, that we will, that you, Lord, you would, Lord, speak to us, anoint us, open our ears, open, open our eyes, and open our understanding. Enable us to understand and enable us to live the life that you want us to live. Father, that you would, Lord, speak to us, oh Lord, so many of us have come directly from work. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch anybody who's tired in their mind or even in their body is a oh lot quicken us this evening and lord that lord you sp- you speak to us forgive us our sins and cleanse us and wash us by the water of your word in jesus name we pray amen i heard a story of a very interesting story but before i go to the story a few year, few months back um i applied for the aadhar card for my children uh abigail and emmanuel are there. So, because, uh, if you need to go for, uh, apply, I mean, if you travel anywhere, you need to carry the, uh, carry the identity card of all the people who are along with you. So I applied for the other card and, uh, after, uh, but the problem was my address proof was, uh, my previous home, the, which where I used to live in, in Tolichoki. Anyways, because I thought I don't have to go there to collect the other, I can download it online. So I didn't really, uh bother to change my address proof. So I applied for the card and then a few weeks later, I got an email. Uh, the other cards were ready. So I downloaded them and I kept the soft copy and I thought I'll just print it out and take the hard copy as well. A um, few weeks after that, I got a call, uh, from the guy who was living my, in my home, I mean, my previous home, uh, he called me and he said, am I speaking to Vijay? I said, Vijay kota." Okay. That's what he said. I said, yes, I, 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 that's, I'm, I'm speaking. And he said, uh, I have uh, uh, two other cards uh, in your name. Uh, please, can you come and collect it from me? I said, thank you so much. Please uh, keep it at your place. I will come and do it. I'll collect it. So the, uh, the weekend, I uh, went to Tolichoki and uh, this gentleman, he opened the, he answered the door, my previous home. He asked me to sit down and I, and we were talking and I came to know that he's a believer. And, uh, I, uh, after the co- course of the con- conversation, we were, I was just saying, tata, bye-bye. And I didn't ask his name. I said, uh, brother, what is your name? And he looked at me and he said, Einstein. And I was shocked for, um, for a while. Uh, I, I was thinking he was joking. Then he looked and I said, uh, are you, uh, are you what? Yeah. Yeah. Einstein. Don't be surprised. Uh, my parents named me einstein i mean that was something which etched was just kept etched in my mind i couldn't just forget that no and later i just heard the story about albert einstein albert einstein was once traveling in a train and uh, he wore a very expensive suit and he was going somewhere for a science conference He's traveling and the ticket collector came it's an amtrak train by the way okay and they do also have uh, ticket collectors those days. So the collector came and he was asking for the ticket and he came to his seat and he said, sir, ticket please. And Einstein looked at him and he started searching for his pocket and he said, oh my God, where's my ticket? And he started searching uh, frantically for the ticket and this guy looked at him and he said, are you Mr... Albert Einstein. He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sir, it's so such a such a pleasure to meet you, sir. Uh, oh, you're Einstein. Of course, you you would have purchased your ticket. Don't worry about it. Okay, uh, you don't have to show me your ticket." And but Einstein was frantically searching, and he said, uh, "Sir, don't have to worry about it. Okay, you you just I know, I know, I I believe you. I believe that you have purchased your ticket. Don't worry about it." And Einstein was still frantically looking, searching for his bag and uh, look, looking into his bag for the ticket. And, and uh, he said, sir, and he said, uh, see, uh, uh, he asked him, sir, which place are you getting off? I'll, take, I'll tell you when the station is coming. Einstein looked at him and he said, I forgot where I should get off. That's the reason why I'm searching for the ticket. Well... That's the story of Albert Einstein. Happened. It's there in his memoirs. All right, Albert Einstein. Okay, I mean, very heavy name to have, right? You know, I was thinking about that. No, you know, there's a very interesting verse in the Bible. I don't want to. I'm not going to turn there. When Hagar is going away from her mistress, the Lord confronts her and asks this question: Hagar. Where are you coming from and where are you going? Okay. You could be the most smartest scientist, most successful businessman. Very sure about what you're going to achieve in this life. But when it comes to your heavenly destination, I'm sure you don't know where you're going see, one of the focuses of our church has been over a period of time, and if you look at all the messages that uh, was being were being shared from this pulpit, you see that focus was to keep the eyes focused on the eternal, not on the temporal. We look at things which are unseen and not look at the things which are seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we know, right, we heard that powerful statement, what what we hear on earth, we see in the spirit. We should be People who are absolutely sure where we are heading. Alright, and all the sermons and all the messages, uh, are, are, they have one, one objective and one purpose, I believe, is to refocus us. Okay? To get our minds off our, of our own shortcomings and our circumstances and our difficulties that we are going through, whatever those circumstances may be. But the, fo- but the whole objective, of course, is, is to uh, uh, ensure that we, that we are, we know where we're heading. Our eyes are focused on the goal. And everyone should have a goal. What is your purpose in your life? You should be able to write your statement of purpose. You see, every time you apply for a university, okay, you apply to a university, doesn't matter what background you come from. You could be one of the top schools from in India. And when you apply to a university abroad, one of the things that they look for in your application is the statement of purpose. Why are you coming here to my lab? Hmm? Are you going to waste my money, my funding, or are you going to be of some some use to me? So you should be very, very able to, you should be able to say precisely what your focus, what your purpose is. And That is one of the defining uh, parameters in deciding your admission into any university, which is, which is good. Okay. So we should know, we should know our purpose and we should come to that focus every day. Every day we just refocus. Don't get distracted. And we have n number of distractions, right? Therefore, last uh, Sunday we heard about uncrowned kings and a man who was a crowned king and another one who was uncrowned king and who was truly a king looked at that, right? And I want to just look at that particular verse and jump into uh, today's message. Um, let's look at 1st uh, Samuel chapter 24 and verse 20 onwards. Uh, and now this is Saul after uh, the uh, David confronts him. And now, and now I, I know indeed that you, sh- you, sh- you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore swore to Saul. Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Remember, this is the story of uh, Saul uh, trying to—he uh, was persuading, pursuing David, and he wanted to kill him. But David cuts off the edge of his robe; He's smitten in his conscience, and he confronts Saul, appeals to his reason and his—and his conscience gets this response from Saul. Saul goes back home, and David goes to his stronghold. And again, in chapter twenty-six, you see that Saul does not relent in his pursuit. He still continues to pursue David. That's remarkable. Okay. With all the confession that he made, all the things, you know, some people weep, but they can't change. Okay. So, so, but between chapter 24 and chapter 26, uh, what do we have in the middle? Yeah. 24, 26, guess the middle 25. Okay, good. So let's look at chapter 25. and I don't want to look at Something interesting. You see, somehow, whenever you read this portion in the Bible, you see a detour in the narrative. And whenever you see a detour in the narrative, you always have to become sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And I want to look at some characters in the Bible. I am going to read through this chapter. And keep in mind all the sermons that we have heard. And let us look at this particular chapter in the light of what we've been studying in our church. So, First uh, Samuel chapter 25 Um It's very difficult to give a title to the sermon, but I gave this a title anyway. I call it the king, the queen, the fool, the king, the queen, the fool. That's the title of today's sermon. The king, the queen, and the fool. Let's look at one Samuel chapter 25 and verses one onwards. Then Samuel died and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Samuel died. David made a decision to move somewhere. Saul also made a decision to move somewhere. This is after Samuel died. This is 1 Samuel chapter 28. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spirits from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem. While Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go, so I may go and inquire of her. What has happened to Saul? Just before I go there, I just want to look at this interesting episode. Samuel is dead. Saul There's only one authentic voice in the life of Saul. One voice which always intended good for him, even though he was harsh at times. Okay. One voice which loved him. One voice which grieved over him. One voice which kept on speaking to him, hoping that he would correct himself. One voice which kept on interceding for him, hoping that somewhere he would change his heart and repent. And that voice dies. You know, one of the things you need to realize, one thing that every one of us in the church of Jesus Christ, if you truly are a born again believer, what God gives us is a gift of repentance. What is it? It's a gift of repentance. He gives us the ability to change our the way we think. That's what he does initially also. And over a period of time, he continues to... Allow us to exercise that gift of repentance. Okay, but as you know, if you stop using that gift, it just it, it just can die off. Okay, we think when we think about gifts, we think about singing and dancing or all the talents that God might, God might have given us. But there's one gift God has given us the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, and one gift He gives us is the gift of repentance. And all of us, what we should have. Or rather continue to have. God is that spirit. Where we can be teachable. We are obedient. We are willing to change. See. One of the things that I have realized over a period of time. Is that when people ask us easy things to obey. It's easy. I mean for example if I ask Abigail. Eat ice cream. Obey me. Eat ice cream. Eat laddu. Obey me. It's easy for her to obey me. Because she loves laddu. But if I ask her. I mean, she also likes to study sometimes. I mean, does she also likes to study? But when I ask her, Abigail, why don't you teach your sister? Ah, sorry, that's very difficult for her. Papa, she doesn't listen to me. I mean, that. But you know what? If she pursues, I mean, she pursues in her. When 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 things are difficult, and you know this is what you are required to do, and when your obedience is tested, then not when things are okay, and when people ask you to do things that you love to do. Okay. You know, one of the, the things that, I mean, one of the characters in the Bible, which fascinates me, you know, one of the guys in the Bible who fascinate me and I'll endeavor, to say, Lord, just give me that spirit. You know, one guy who traveled with apostle Paul all his life is Dr. Luke. And there was another guy, young man. His name is Timothy. Yeah. Timothy was his Paul's, uh, you know, his, his son, spiritual son. And this one thing about Timothy, I, I, you always wonder why was Timothy such a successful man? I mean, he had a lot of weaknesses. He was a timid guy. Okay. He could easily slacken off. He could easily get discouraged. He had a lot of stomach problem. He was not very healthy. He was a weak guy. Okay. But you know what? He finished his course. Church history says that he ended up as a martyr. And I, and I, and I wonder why, why this about Timothy? What is that quintessential characteristic in Timothy that, that, you know, that enabled him to finish his course in his life? This one very interesting episode, I mean, this is the beginning, you know, this is the beginning of Timothy, the episode of Timothy in the Bible. It's found in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, where Timothy is introduced to us, Acts chapter 16, verse 1, Paul came to Derby and then then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Uh, The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, but Paul wanted to take him along with him in his journey, so Paul recognized, you know, potential in him, spiritual potential. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. Now, this is just one verse, one line, okay? But this guy is not a 8-day-old eight, eight guy. You know, when the, according to the Jewish law, circumcision has to take place on the 8th day. So, you know, for a baby, the pain is there, but it will easily recover. It doesn't really throw a tantrum. But when you grow up, you know, remember... Uh, Levi and Simeon, they circumcised she, the guys in Sheshem and for three days those fellows were gone. Slaughtered them. Remember, the Israelites were getting into the promised land. For three days, they had to recover. Now I used to wonder, Timothy, you need to, you need to get circumcised. <sighs> Paul, what Too much. But I know this guy, he just surrendered. He just surrendered into the hands of this this man, and just obeyed him. I mean, I, I believe that's that that defined his life. You know, we need to have that teachable spirit. I just want to encourage all of us. know, even as we come to the end of this year, ask yourself, Lord, if you were to ask me to do difficult things, would I do it with joy? Would I complain? Would I throw a tantrum? Okay, so obedience. That that spirit to change, that heart to change, just guard it with all of your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. And Paul and and Saul, Saul, never had that ability. He never changed, and he couldn't change after a while. All right. So let's go back to First Samuel chapter twenty-five and look. Let's look at the episode that we want to look at today. First Samuel chapter twenty-five and verse two. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had three thousand sheep. A thousand goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, by the way, whenever you see rich people, automatically we will have a prejudice and say rich people are bad people. No, okay, rich, which God doesn't is not against rich people per se. He doesn't say money is the root of all evil. He says love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, you know. You, I mean, you, 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 a lot of people, uh, students over here, you might be thinking, I'm not very rich. Thank God. No, you could be rich in something else. See, whenever God gives us something, he does not give us things for us to keep for ourselves. Okay. Remember, John the Baptist, when he was preaching, all the crowds come and they ask him, what shall we do? You know what he says? He who has two tunics, share. He share with those people who don't have food. Be content with your wages. He says, you know what? Everybody has got something that God has given. And whenever God has given you something, it's not for your own enjoyment. It is to share with others. That is the reason that Paul will say it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, there was a rich man and there was Lazarus. Rich man did not go to heaven, or rather did not go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he was—he did not have concern for the poor. He ate sumptuously from the table, but he closed his eye towards the need of other people right next to his home. That is the reason why it says in Ezekiel, it says, this is the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and it did not strengthen the hand of the needy. You see, that is the sin. So being rich, being intelligent, if you are smart, it's very good, brilliant brains God has given you. It is not just for yourself. It is for others. Okay. If, if for example, if I was, if I was not a, a, a pastor, I would definitely love to teach. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I don't do teaching because it gives me money that is one thing that god has given me the ability to teach math you will understand okay i love to do it and if god has given you some gifts it is just not for your own enjoyment it is so that you will share with others so everyone is just not is, is rich okay everybody has a gift all right silver and gold have you none but such as i have what I do I don't keep it to myself I give to you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk you see that is that is the reason why gospel says god so loved the world that he gave you see so rich is richness always has a purpose blessing has a purpose and don't forget that all right so let's move on so he had 3000 sheep and 1000 goats and he was shearing his sheep in the in carmel the name of the the name of The man was Nabal and the name of his wife was Abigail and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. Notice, not beauty first, good understanding, just not understanding, good understanding, good wisdom, just not wisdom, but good wisdom. All right. And beautiful appearance. That means she had brains and beauty. All right. But the man was harsh. Harsh. Actually, other translations will use stiff-necked, hard-hearted. And evil in his doings, he was of the house of Caleb. Notice that. So I just want to look at Nabal. Okay? What does Nabal mean? Fool. But he was a businessman, first thing. Okay? He was a very successful and he was very successful and very rich. That means he was not, not smart. Very smart. Very intelligent. Okay, he had a wise and a beautiful wife. I remember uh, when I was growing up, no, all the believers used to come together and one of the things we used to discuss is, whom to marry. And and my brothers used to say, Vijay, beautiful believer girl, BBG. It was the acronym, BBG, we want beautiful believer girl. So this guy got wise, beautiful believer girl. He was also the house of Caleb. I mean, to be out of the house of Caleb means you had a very good spiritual lineage, so to speak. Ancestry. You can boast, you can boast, I am the son of Abraham, son of Caleb. Scripture says, he was stiff-necked. He was evil in his doings. And his name is Nabal. Fool. So many things good. He was stiff-necked and harsh. And his name is Nabal. No, no, scripture doesn't say first, there was a man called Nabal. No. There was a man, very rich, successful, beautiful wife, named Nabal. That's very interesting. I found this principle in the Bible over and over again. You know, when God Uh, speaks to somebody, wants to correct them. You know what he does? He doesn't always tell the truth directly. First, he doesn't say, this is what you are. No. You know what he says? He first gives us the positive. You know, one man of God said something very interesting. He said, if for every positive thing I tell you, I also tell you something negative about you, I'm going to ultimately crush you. Okay, because we all know that we are inherently bad. So if for every right thing, nice thing I tell, I also say that some equal and bad thing, I will ultimately crush you. But you know what? For every bad thing I tell you, if I tell you at least five good things, then you will take it. Remember sometime my pastor was talking about truth we cannot handle. So what does God do? He handles, he gives us a truth with some mercy. He gives us the truth with some grace so that we'll be able to handle truth. Because we are very dif- it's difficult for us to accept the truth about ourselves. Very, very difficult. That is the reason he tells the efficient, efficient church: you are this, 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 you are this. Almost seven good things, but I have something against you. Amen. I this is this principle is there throughout the Bible. So he says, man, you are rich, you are successful, you are a great businessman, you got a beautiful wife, you are from the from the from the tribe of Caleb, but you are a fool. Why? Why was he called a fool? It was Nabal. Yeah. So, now let's move on and try to understand what's going on over here. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Kamal, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace to you, peace to your house. Peace to all that you have. How many peace? Three peace. Peace to? Shalom to you. Shalom to your house. Shalom to all that you have. You see the interesting principle? Peace, peace, peace. If you want to have peace, there are three levels wherein you have to have peace. First, let us try to understand this principle first. Do we find this principle only it in First in, in, in Samuel chapter 25? No. There are other places. Let us look at this, no? Job chapter 1 verses 8 to 10. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And so, so Satan said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? Hedge around his household? Hedge around everything that he has? Peace to you. Peace to your house. Peace to everything that you have. You need to have peace in three levels in your life. You need to have peace with God first. Peace to God first. And then, peace with people in your own spheres of influence, especially in your own immediate family. First of all, with your wife, then with your children, and then with your household, and then with every member in the church, in the body of Christ. And then you should have peace at the place that you work. Alright? Understand this. And therefore, if you have that peace, you know what God, Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22, it is a blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And what does he do? He adds no sorrow to it. Three levels of peace. Peace. That's what you're celebrating, right? What did, what, did, what did the angels come and say? Hark the herald. Angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. Wow. That is the reason why we have peace. Why? We have peace because God and sinners have been reconciled. How did this reconciliation take place? Because pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. So he came and became a man. Why? In order to have peace between two parties, there should be a mediator who can be who can who can relate with one party as well as the other party. For example, for example, let us say there, there are two factions. There is the Telugu faction, and there is a Mallu faction. Example. And they have a tiff. Most of the times it is Telugu and Bengali. Okay, that's the reason why we have the middle wall of separation in Arjita and, okay, because I, I saw that in uh, universities, right? The Telugu batch and the Bengali batch, they can't stand each other. I've seen that. Okay, so I, I was very, it was very interesting. I was one guy who could go and enjoy fellowship with, with the, I mean, not fellowship, I could enjoy company with the Bengalis. I could also go and enjoy fellowship with the Gultis. So, to be a mediator, you should have the ability to understand one party as well as to be, to have the ability to understand the other party. There should, therefore, there is one man, there is only one mediator between what? God and man. Who is it? It is the? Who is it? It is the man Christ Jesus. He became man so that he could understand man. He was God so he could understand the holiness of God and therefore we have peace. You understand? That is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Peace. That's what the angels come and said. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Glory to God and on earth, peace. Why? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we have lost peace. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Who Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there was one man who came and he lived like a man and he died like a man. He experienced every temptation and he never sinned. Every situation that you could possibly experience in your life. Everything. He experienced the power of sin and he overcame it. And then you know what he said? Lord, have mercy upon them. He could represent man and he could also he could represent man to God and he could also represent God to man, a perfect mediator. All right, peace on earth. So are you having peace in your life? And that's exactly what David says peace to you first, brother. Peace to you, peace to your household, peace to everything that you have. Ask yourself this question Are we people of peace? Everywhere? In the places that we live? It could be a small home, it could be a school. It could be GSS, it could be LHL. Are we people who are constantly fighting or are we people of peace? Peace. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and what? Holiness with God. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends not on the other party, but on you, on you, live at peace with everyone see, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What is righteousness? A right standing with God, peace with God, peace with man. And then you will experience the joy, joy of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 34, 14, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And let me tell you, peace is a spirit. It is a person. It's a Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace. Luke's gospel chapter 10, look at what it says. Carry neither bag nor knapsack nor sandals and greet no one along the road. This is after Jesus commissioned 70 of his disciples to go and preach the gospel, two by two. But whatever house you enter, first say what? Peace to the house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Can you imagine? You can sense it. It's something which is tangible in the spiritual realm. Are we people of peace? Are we constantly fighting with, with others? Peace? And verse 7 onwards, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they have, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from, from house to house, whatever city you enter and, and they receive you, eat such things as they are set before you, and heal the sick, and say to them, the kingdom of heaven has come near you. Because, and it's another, another verse which, which says, the, the, the laborer is worthy of his wages. So peace. Let's move on. Look at look at the response of Nabal. I, I, I mean, this is uh, David appear, appear, appealing to to Nabal. Now I have heard that you have you have that you have shearers, Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young people find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your and to your son David. You know, long time back I watched a movie. Okay, it was very interesting movie. You know, this guy wants to appeal to this police officer. Police officer is actually a constable. So he wants some favor from the constable. And he comes to the constable and he says, sir, please do this favor for me. And you know, he gives him a okay, bribe. And uh, and the constable looks at him, Yar, hi opaega, yaar, ho payega Guruji, na Guruji. May, <laughs> okay, whoever comes to your Darbar will not go back empty-handed. Please have mercy. And on David, anyway, he had 600 people to take care of, okay? 400 soldiers and 200 people who also came and who were watching the backs. 400 people who could fight, I guess, and 200 people who watched over the luggage. And he had people to take care of and in order to do that, he was doing some favors, hoping that they would repay him in kind. So this is what he appeals. Is this appeal wrong? What is the significance in the, in the, in the, in the new covenant? What is the spiritual significance of this? First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 11. It is a 9, 11, 11, 9, 11 for many believers. 9, 1, 1. Okay. You can, you'll never forget this verse. Look at what it says. This is a principle. If we have sown spiritual things among you, Read that. Is it too much if we reap material things from you? See that? You understand? Okay. You understand this principle? If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it wrong for us to reap material things from you? I'll tell you, one of the missionaries who really impacted my life when I was growing up. We were there in Kanpur those days. We went on a mission trip. On this mission trip, was a very remote place, outskirts of Kanpur, a place called Ghatampur, RSS stronghold. And very strong opposition. And there were two missionaries, a wife and husband from uh, Tamil Nadu, a part of Friends missionary prayer band. How many of you know this FMPB? You've heard of that FMPB? Yes. They were part of that and they were serving in that place in in the midst of tremendous opposition. They stood firm and they built a church. And we went to that place. For the first time, there was a revival meeting. Lots of people got saved. There was a lot of deliverance that was happening. And you know, when that person looked at me and he said, Brother Vijay, I see joy in your heart. And I'm sure one day you will serve the Lord. He looked at me. I mean, I was shocked. I was 21, 22 years old. Those 21, I guess. Yeah, 21. And he looked at me and said, Brother Vijay, I see joy in your heart. And one day you will serve the Lord. And I looked at his zeal. I was so touched. I was really, really touched because in in the midst of tremendous, tremendous, tremendous opposition, they served the Lord. No. And recently, um, my my landlord he came to me and he said, Vijay, uh, I have a few people coming uh, for carols. Can they come to your house for carols? And I'm first thing I said, carols. All sleepy Christians trying to wake up other sleepy Christians and preaching the gospel to them. I was thinking about that. I said, what is this? Uh, Why is my landlord asking me? And I said, okay. And then he said, you know what? Vijay, they are part of the FMPB and they are doing a fundraising for their missionaries in North India. I looked at them and said, of course. Come on. Come on. I was so touched. You see, this is the principle. They sowed into my life. And is it wrong for them to reap spiritual things, I mean, material things from you? Think about that. You know, some of you, sure, sure, uh, uh, will become really, really rich. But ensure one thing. Use all the riches for the glory of God. You know, I think Francis Chan made the statement we need two people to spread the gospel we need the evangelist and we need the businessman to fund the evangelist <laughs> You see all of them all of us are not are not called to be businessmen but We have to have this principle in our life. And when I looked at that FMPB crowd, you know, and these are all people who don't know what FMPB is, who came to St. Carol's. And I told them my testimony. I said, you know what? This is what, when this, when I saw this FMPB missionary so many years back, I I had tears in my eyes and I said, my home is always open to such people. And I'm, whatever I can give, I will give. And from that day onwards, my landlord's attitude toward me changed completely. You see? Everything will fall into place. You see? Understand this. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Let the one who is taught the word, look at this, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. We, We use this in a in, in in many contexts, okay, the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping. But look at the context in which it has been spoken. Look at where it says, Let the one who taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also will he reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from his flesh corruption. Meaning, if you use all the riches that God has given you upon your own flesh, you will reap corruption. But if you sow whatever God has given you for the extension of God's kingdom, you will be blessed. That is the reason why it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 16, use unrighteous mammon to make friends so that they will receive you in everlasting, uh, in the the everlasting dwellings. Know what 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 2 will say, you know what he says, add to faith this and this and this and this and this. You know what will happen? At the end he says, a rich entrance will be granted to you. What is that rich entrance? People will, be, people will be there on the other side to receive you. Will you have people on the other side who will receive you? Will you have one soul saying, Vijay, thank you for that seed that you have sown into my life. That day when you gave this money for this missionary and you supported this, because of that so many people came to the Lord and all of those people will be standing in the line waiting for you and, 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 and uh, 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 welcoming you into the everlasting dwellings. Do you have that attitude? See, this is so important because we are in a season where, you know, when Christmas is all about giving, forgiving, it's time for giving, time for giving, no, it is time for giving, time for giving, time for getting, time for what? what, what Christmas time, mistletoe and wine. I don't know all the carols that we sing, but there is, this is truly a time of giving. And what is that? It is an attitude. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Look at what it says and continues, continues to say, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if you not give up. Meaning, this has to be a consistent pattern in your life to give. Should be a consistent pattern. You should I mean, some people, they give once in lump sum. And after a few days, no money. But there is something you need to do. Consistent. Lord, I want to be a consistent, deliberate giver. All right. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see that? Okay, this is what happened. This is exactly what uh, David was doing. He's appealing to Nabal. Nabal, I took care of you. I watched over you. Peace to you. It was because of me, there was peace in your life. There was peace in your household and there was peace in your business. Can I share? Look at Nabal. Then Nabal answered. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each other from his master. Shall I then take uh, my bread, my water, my wheat, sorry, my meat that I have killed for my shearers? Nadi. You see the children? You were there. Can you, can you give it to somebody? Nadi. Nadi. This is exactly what he said. Nadi. Nabal. Saying Nadi. And give it to them, to the, to the men whom I don't even know. Really? You know, one man of God was talking about this. He said, why was Judas not restored, whereas Peter was restored? I mean, there are several reasons. And he made a very interesting observation. He said, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked me permission to sift you as wheat. But I have, answer, prayed for you. Let me tell you something. All of us are here because somebody else invested into our lives, had prayed for us. Interceded for us. Nobody in this world is self-made. I am a self-made man. No. None of you. First of all, your birth also is not self-made. Okay? No self-made. Nobody is self-made. You know, some, I, I think it was Isaac Newton on his tomb, he read, he, I mean, not on his tomb, he wrote, he said, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. We didn't come this far because of our own greatness. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. John's gospel chapter 4 says, Enter into the harvest. Other people have labored and you have entered into their labors. Understand that? Other people have toiled for you. All of our children, even even my own children. My parents used to tell me. My mother, oh, when she used to, I can I can use her example because that was what, that was my my life. She used to tell me, Vijay said, you know something, Vijay, your father is doing night shifts, blood and tears for your education. Okay. I'll never forget that. Raktam chamata, it's <laughs> very. Raktam Chamata. I mean, I mean, it's very, very graphic, no? I'm, I'm like, I'm a small kid. I'm like, Raktam Chamata. I was like thinking. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, only Jesus had Raktam and Chamata, right? I'm, oh, see, think about Chamata. That's true. None of us are here because of our own thing. We didn't become so smart and educated and intelligent because of our own... Se- no, 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 no. Somebody else invested into our lives. Somebody invested in my life. My parents, spiritual mentors, so many people who took the pains to come to me, you know, Shibu, right? He knew me. He said, Vijay, (laughs) Bible study in your room. I said, Baba, B310, Hall 4, Bible study every Wednesday, but it's continuing now here also. Every Wednesday and he used to come and tell Vijay. I'll come and check your room, okay? Shibu. You see, some people have invested into our lives. So many people have invested into our lives. No one ever. Still, Lord, never let me have ingratitude, especially during the season. Let me remind myself that I'm here because some people have invested and they thought me valuable. I'm worthy. Invested. Don't live for yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 17 to 18. Then you say in your heart, my power and the hand of my hand has gained me this wealth and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who has given you the power to get wealth. You know something? It says in Naruni Ayu Kshanabhangaramu. That is what it says in Psalm 103. A man's life is for a moment. You could have died just today. Today, you could have died. Every breath that we take is a gift from God. Have that, that focus. That he may establish his covenant with you. That he swore to your fathers as it is this day. But what will happen to you? And then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God. And follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. See that? David is appealing. David is saying I, 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 I served you I'm, and I am hoping that you will repay me in kind. Look at Nabal's answer and David of course. I mean, this is, uh, so one of the servants, now, now comes the great lady Abigail. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife saying, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us. And we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we are conversant with them when we were in the field. They were, they were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep, boy. I remember this fired up testimony from Richard Wimbrandt's book. Powerful. This, this, Richard Wimbrandt was in prison, right? For several years, he was in prison. And in prison, he memorized sermons in his mind and he wrote them as a book after he came out of prison. Okay? Fourteen years he was in prison across the Atlantic. there was this man who was convicted for theft, Scott in the act, theft, and I think also almost murder because that was murder was uh, because of something else he was trying to grab it and he killed he, it was not intentional, so he had almost like fourteen years of rigorous imprisonment in and some sometime in solitary confinement so in solitary confinement, this man in Canada. In solitary confinement, completely depressed. He wanted to die. And then he heard a voice. Which came and preached the gospel to him. In the prison, in solitary confinement. Okay? He heard the word, specifically. And then he got converted. And after a few years, because of good behavior, he was released from prison. And after he was released from prison, he went outside, went to a local church and he wanted to become a part of the church. And he started ministering there and he started growing in the Lord. And one day he was walking on the road uh, and even as he was walking on the road, there was a Christian bookshop and he go, went into the Christian bookshop and there was this uh, uh, title of the book, Messages from Prison by Richard he was, his icon, I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he was attracted to it and he just took that from the shelf and he opened it and he started reading it And one of the message in that book was precisely the message that God preached to him in the solitary confinement. I mean, across the Atlantic. Night and day. Now think about it, no, every morning we get, we get the worst case scenario. Every morning. Now think about it, no. Do, are we a part of them? Have we a burden for them? Do we watch over them when we sleep? They are praying for us. When they sleep, are we praying for them? We are here because somebody, I'm telling you, this is reiteration. Let us not forget it. We are here. You know, this is something God was speaking to me over and over again through this week, no? I am here because somebody invested into my life. I don't want to name names, okay? That, that's, could become controversial, but invested into my lives. And they didn't have to. Now therefore know and consider what you will do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial. Why is he a son of, such a son of Belial? No man can speak to him. No man. Let's move on. First Samuel chapter 20. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill. This is Nabal. Uh, Abigail is now really, you know the story. I'm not going through the entire story. Abigail is now completely uh, little uh, worried. So what does she do? She arranges some food, uh, considerable amount of food, takes two donkeys and she's on her way to meet David and reason with him. And there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, now David is, you know, livid with anger. Think about it. No, this man just a few days back Saul was in the prison. Or Saul was in the cave. Okay, he had the opportunity to kill him. Somebody restrained him. Or nobody restrained him. Actually, they said, Champeshik. What he said? No, 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 no. I should not touch. Lots anointed. But now, after a few months, frustration, a lot of needs, and he lost it. Okay, he. Lost it. No, he had the sword and he said, Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow and his he has in the wilderness so that as nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me evil for good. And then go on. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. This He was on war path. Interesting verse. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 3. Look at it. Very, very interesting verse. Okay. Let us look at this verse together. As stone is heavy and the sand is weighty, but the provocation of a fool is heavier than both of them. Stone is heavy, sand is weighty, but a guy who's provoked by the fool, I mean, a provocation of a fool is weightier than both of them. This guy says, this fellow, this fellow, he's got it. No, he's livid with anger. No more restraint. He's going to lower the boom now. Then comes madam. Then Abigail saw David. She hurried and got down from the donkey. Fell before David. Her face bowed down to the ground. Fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my lord, be my guilt. Be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. You'll see the words maid servant and my lord. My lord appears fourteen times, your servant appears six times in the entire conversation. Let us look at the conversation and we'll glean some lessons from them. Let not my lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal. For as his name, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my lord whom you sent. Now when, then my lord, as the lord lives and as your soul lives, Because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present, other translations will use the word blessing. It was not a bribe, it was a blessing. Now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. Who is that servant? Not Nabal, but him, but her. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord, your God, and the lives of your enemies. He shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling, reminding him of David and Goliath. Okay. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you king over Israel. Okay. King or prince over Israel. My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation uh, salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. Wow. My Lord, servant, my Lord, your servant. I'm telling you, you know, there is great wisdom in humility. Okay. What is it? Repeat after me. There is great wisdom in humility. When you humble yourself, the grace of God is over your life. Soft answer turns away, rats. This lady, she meant every word she said, okay. This is not just appealing to the ego or the male ego of David. No. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion. Blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, was has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurry, hurried and come to meet me truly by morning, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. We looked at a passage, and I want to glean a few lessons. First lesson. There is lesson number one. There is what we call as the preventing grace of God. What is that? Preventing grace of God. I remember when I was growing up, my mother is here and I remember this very, very interesting situation. Okay. Very, very interesting. I can never forget. I was possibly in 7th or 8th grade. 8th grade, I guess. Okay. That time, puberty started. Okay. Lopalichi feelings and Okay. All feelings inside. There was a neighbor. She had three daughters. Okay. Youngest daughter was there at home and the mother was going out. Oh, she said, she planned that my mother and her should go out somewhere to the bazaar. I don't think my mother remembers it, okay? Let, us, let me refresh her memory. I mean, she did it in a very subtle Abigail way. Okay. But I understood it later, alright? She said, uh, can my daughter stay in your house for a few minutes? For one hour? One hour? We will go, go we'll both go to bazaar and we'll come back. Where? In the home alone. My mother looked at me and looked at the girl. Smart. Okay, very smart. He's laughing. I think she remembers it. She didn't know that I was registering all this in my mind. And she looked at her and I said, Oh, auntie, me relendi, you go, I will stay home and watch over these two fellows. I'm telling you honestly, that was really, really very wise. No, Most of us, we could have fallen into something incredible, a deep sin, had it not been for certain restraining influences in our life. What, what I call preventing graces. You know, sometimes we have a lot of energy and no opportunity. And sometimes we have no energy, but a lot of opportunity. Energy and opportunity are God's preventing graces. Many of you are laughing. You know something? I learned in my life, because of tough parents, God saved me from miserable decisions that I could have made in my life. Miserable decisions. Okay. Most of you, because of tough parents, and people who, you know, were godly and invested into your life in terms of the Bible and everything. And taught you the scriptures right from childhood. You know what happened? Because of all those restraining influences when you are, chi- when you are a child. That's the reason why, you know what, Proverbs says, train up the child in the ways of the Lord and he will not depart from it when he grows old. Restraining influences in our lives have prevented us from so many, so many calamities that we could have fallen into. Restraining. We are not here because we chose not to sin. First Peter chapter 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you who are what? Kept by the power of God. You have been kept from sinning. God has restrained you. It was not because you didn't have the opportunity. When you had the opportunity, you didn't have the strength. When you had the strength, you didn't have the opportunity. Thank God for both these situations. And if you have tough parents, my God, thank God for them. Thank God for parents and mentors in your life who are tough with you, who deal with you, who know, who are wise like Abigail, who will come and appeal and say, you know, Lord, you can't do this. Can't do this, Lord. Can't do this. These are preventing graces. And that is the reason why we come to church, so that we'll be warned, so that God can prevent us from greater calamity. Preventing grace. Are, let me enjoy some no are, how would i know how drugs taste like if you have not tasted it how would i repent of evil let me do evil so that good may abound how would i know what is what, is, what drugs are how, how can i relate with drug addicts later in my life i'm still young why are my parents so tough with me? First Peter chapter 4. For you have spent enough time, Baba. In the past. How old are you? 11 years old. 10 years you have spent. Actually think about it, no? One man of God bear a very interesting statement. Think about the number of productive years we have. In life. Maximum number of productive, productive years. Huh? 25? Childhood waste, Baba, what did you? You didn't produce anything. They they were investing in your life. Nothing productive was happening in terms of output. Somebody said, parenthood is. So now, we don't know when to reap. Reaping, we don't know. But we keep continue to sow. You see, we have only 30 years, possibly, maybe from 30 to 70 or 40 years of productive life. 40 years of productive life. After that, even government also will not give you a job. How much productive life? You have 30, 40 years of productive life. And you want to waste it. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and this detestable idolatry, and the more you indulge in it, the greater it will be, and difficult difficult it will be to get rid of it later on in life. Understand. God's preventing graces. Abigail comes with a preventing grace. Second lesson. Fight God's battles. God will fight your battle. Don't forget your focus. Don't just let property issue, all this issue, just let it. Just forget about it. A man came and said, Lord, ask my brother to distribute. I'm not a judge over here. And then he gives the parable. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when one of you has a grievance against a brother, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? Don't fight. Don't We do not wrestle flesh and blood. Derek Prince said, many believers say, we do not wrestle, period. No, no, no. We do not wrestle flesh and blood, but we wrestle principalities, powers. We fight God's battles. Third lesson. Don't do things you will regret the rest of your life. Now think about it, no? Every one of us will have that, no? Why did I do this? How many of you don't have those? I mean, I have many times. Regret. Shucks, man. That thing I shouldn't have done. You know, there are certain things. God forgives all sin. But sin will have consequences. And some sins will leave a mark in your soul which will never be erased. A permanent mark. Proverbs chapter 5. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Total ruin. Then, listen to the voice of correction without prejudice. Don't say, who's this woman? She used to come and correct me. Let not your male ego. Somebody said, very interesting, no? the smallest particle in the world is the atom. Okay. Atom is the fundamental particle. Every in that fundamental particle called atom, there is neutron, proton and electron. Electron is smaller than the rest of the atom. And if you take the electron and cut it into four parts, that smallest part is a male ego. That's your ego. Ego. A lot of us have ego, are you? Woman, you are going to tell me. You are going to correct me. This is what we call teachable spirit. You see, you listen to the voice of correction and you will never, never have this, this, this curse of not hearing from God. You See that? Look at what it says in, uh. The same chapter, uh, 1st Samuel chapter uh, 25. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion. And blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. Finally, you will reap what you sow. God is not mocked. I was listening to a very interesting song. And I just wanted to share the song with you. The lyrics of the song is beautiful. Three lyrics. Three stanzas. Look at what it says. I can see her now. Her weathered skin. Old straw hat and crooked grin. And she said, child, let's make this garden grow. Let's till the soil and pull some weeds. And here's your bag of precious seeds. Because grandma's got a secret you should know. You always reap exactly what you sow. Love that. Doesn't stop there. We knelt right there and she took my hand. That patch of dirt was holy land. Wow, I love that. She was kneeling and teaching him. And she said, child, I learned this long ago. Oh, you can bless or curse. You can live or die. You choose the crop you want in life. I love that. You Choose the crop you want in life. I'll tell you something. What we are reaping now is the crop we chose for ourselves. That's the greatest secret Ganma knows. You always reap exactly what you sow. Cause one day, God forbid, you act a fool. You think that you will not make foolish decisions? Oh, you will. And fall down hard and fast because life is cruel. If you ever reached to help a friend, a hand you held might lift you up again. What goes around comes back around, you know. You always reap exactly what you sow. And you know what it says finally? So mercy, so grace, so kindness, so faith. Words are like water sprinkled with love. You will harvest all your heart's been dreaming of. So, mercy. Love that. Love that. So what happens to Madam Abigail and Nabal and David? Verse 36. Now, Abigail went to Nabal. And there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Nabal's heart was merry with him, for he was drunk and therefore she told him nothing. Little or much until night, until light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died and he became like a stone. Why did he become like a stone? Because he was stony toward others. His heart became like a stone. He did not have the ability to change anymore. No ability to change. Then it happened after about 10 days. The Lord struck Nabal. And he died. That's Nabal. 10 days. Time to judge your heart, Nabal. It's a stone. I remember this. I told you, right? In a ch- several contexts I said, This man who was living a debaucherous lifestyle and finally was dying and everybody was sure that he was going to go to hell. Everybody was sure that he was going to go to hell. And they looked at him and he said, you're going to hell, What, what should we do? Then they got an idea, let us call the priest. The priest said, "May ask him to say Narayana. If he says Narayana, he'll get into medical college. No, no, sorry. Okay, Narayana. Okay. Narayana. And this fellow was in the de- dying bed, he was in the bed like this. And they asked him, Narayana, Narayana, please say Narayana. But guy's not able to say it. Because never in his life said, he said Narayana. Finally in his life, why will he, I mean, at the end of his life, why will he, why will he do that? And they said, what do we do? And they went back to the priest and they asked him, what should we do? He's not able to say Narayana. And he said, you know what? Take a jute piece. In Telugu, it's called Nara. Nara, Pichu. Okay? Dangle it in front of his eyes. And if he says, Nara, he will go to heaven. They said, fantastic idea. They took that jute piece and they hung it around his eyes like that. the, entity, entity. entity. What, is what is this? What is this? What is this? He said, Pichu. And he died. Right? This is it. You cannot change. If you have constantly sown hardness of heart, you harden, 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 harden. One day, you will not even have the ability to change. God will give you ten days and you will not change. Constantly keep on pointing fingers at others. He's the, the the problem. She's the problem. She's the problem. She's the problem. I mean, amazing. You know what scripture says? I mean, in in the Bible, there are only two kinds of people, okay? We heard it in all these uh, messages. Only two kinds of people, according to me. They are the faithful and the slothful. No middle. Faithful and the slothful. So scripture says in Proverbs chapter 6, go to the who and you sluggard. And when I was a child, my mother taught me another very interesting story. Anaganaga, naga, Raju. Long, long ago, there lived a king. Rajagarake Edu Pilalu. Seven sons. One day they went for hunting and they caught six fish. They went hunting and caught fish. Okay, I don't know what that means. Finally, they went hunting, they caught fish. How many fish each caught? One fish. Seven fish. They got it back and they allowed it to dry. One fish did not dry. So they went and asked the fish fish, fish, why did you not dry? Oh, the haystack was in the middle. It stopped the sun, so I did not dry, dry. Haystack, haystack! Why were you standing in the middle? Are the cow did not come and eat me? Cow, cow! Why did you not eat? Because the the palero, the shepherd, he tied me and he did not release me. Shepherd, shepherd! Why did you not release? My wife did not give me food. Wife, wife! Why did you not give the food? The child was crying. Child, child! Why are you crying? And bit me. And, and. Why did you bite him? I was working hard and he fingered me. Therefore, I bit him. This is human nature. Who is the problem? Other fellow is the problem. Nobody takes the responsibility. Nobody takes the responsibility. Other fellow is the problem. Thank God for parents who teach stories like that, no? Chanda Mama. (laughs) Oh Lord. You see that? We point fingers, right? And because we point fingers, we never change because we are never the problem. And one day, we will not change at all. But on the other hand, so when David heard Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord. Okay, smart fellow, okay who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail. To take her as wife. When the servants of David came home, to, came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her. David had sent to you to ask you to become his wife. I love that. No, Abigail, David represents Jesus. Abigail represents the bride. And you have the heart of Abigail, I'm telling you honestly, one day you will become the bride of Christ. She took the responsibility. Let that iniquity be upon me. Upon me. Then she arose, bowed her face on earth and said, here is your maidservant, I love this, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Hallelujah. That's the queen. And that's the king. They're the slothful. They are the faithful. What do you want to be? Faithful like Abigail and become the queen, the bride of Christ. So Abigail rose in haste, rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. So let us end. With a sad note. <laughs> Sorry. David also took Ahinom of Jezreel. And so both of them were his wives. Why did he do that, Baba? Abigail. What an Abigail. One Abigail is sufficient. David, don't mess up. But that's the story. That's how it ends. So we have a, a fool. We have a queen or the bride and we have a king was reminded that he was a king. He was reminded, you are a king. You are a king. You have the ability to extend mercy. Don't forget that. He was restrained from evil. And there was a queen, who was truly the bride, and there was a fool. What are we? This evening. Shall we pray this evening? Thank you, Father, for this day, Lord. We just looked at this very simple chapter, and we gleaned some Very, very profound lessons for ourselves. Simple lessons, no deep truths, but all that we have learned over so many years in this church. I pray, Lord, Father, that we will never forget that somebody has invested into our lives. We will not be foolish like Nabal, unthankful and ungrateful. Lord, we will exercise restraint like David and we will be a servant like Abigail. Grant us grace to that end. Even as we come to the end of this year, even as the year winds up and we enter into another year, O Lord Jesus, enable us to be faithful and not slothful. We thank you, Father, for this day. We praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.